Hello and welcome to Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer one movie at a time. Except for right now, we're still in the middle of our summertime special, The Summer of Love Beach Party Podcast. And with us today, we have our special, special guest from the High and Low Podcast, who will introduce himself in a second. My name is Joel. My name is Sarah. Oh, uh, I'm Spencer. Yeah. You're Spencer. That's the special guest. Listener, let's start this off right. If you're a regular listener, thank you for listening every time. If you're a regular listener who is under the age of 18, ask your parents if you should listen to this episode. If you're a regular listener under the age of, oh, what, 14? De- definitely ask your parents. Because this is a uh, um, Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> is this a movie you're watching during the summertime? It's a movie I saw last summer that I really liked and want okay. to watch again. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking. There um, are adult themes in the movie, and we just wanted to do a disclaimer at the beginning that. Well, we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about it, and yeah. the and the. If there's anybody who thinks they might get offended by it, uh, we just wanted to put that out there in the beginning. Yeah. It's a movie that involves sex and the conversation about sex and a bunch of other adult themes. So, just like going to the beach. Uh, watch out night? for heroin needles. Watch, watch out. <laughs> we don't have that problem over here. Oh, that must be a New York thing. Yeah. Under the boardwalk. I'll be having some fun. Yeah. See, I feel like this is a summertime movie in the sense that, like, you were going to college during the summer. Mm-hmm. And somebody was like, check out this cool student film or something like that. Not to say that this is at the level of a student film. Uh, I just mean, like... It it is the kind of movie where if somebody came out of college and had made this, you'd be like, "Wow, that is." I'm actually very impressed with what I just saw, and uh, not necessarily the fun time. But what it did make me think of is the crappy job that I've had to have when I was mm-hmm. out of high school or during you know summertime in between my my junior and my soft, uh, senior year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, I guess I should name what movie this is at this point. <laughs> movie is called Mary Jane's Not a Virgin Anymore, 1998, directed by Sarah Jacobson and written by Sarah Jacobson, starring Lisa Gerstein, Chris Enright, Greg Crickshank, Beth Allen, Marnie Snyder Spoons, and Bawana Spoons. So you just, was this just on Fandor or what? Yeah, it was on Fandor, one of the first ones I watched when I got it. 
last summer. Yeah, last summer, and uh, it's this, this neat little ending that I never heard of that I really liked, and it's the rare, very like female-focused movie that you get. Yeah, definitely. I had never seen it either. In fact, I'd never heard of it, which I thought was really strange. Yeah. But, I, yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna ask if there was any um if if you looked into it at all or if you just watched it. Uh, I just watched it on a whim, and I was like, "This is a good movie. I want I want to see your other stuff." And then I looked into Sarah Jacobson, and I I saw yeah. she didn't get to. This was her only feature film, yeah. and she died from cancer in 2004. Yeah, it's really sad. Oh, bummer. Have you God. seen her her uh, short film she did in 93? I watched about four minutes of it before we started the podcast oh. because I totally forgot I was going to. And oh. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's. I really like her short films. Great. Yeah. And I like Mary Jean's Not a Virgin anymore, too. It's not perfect, but if this is like where she's starting off, then she would have gone on to be a great filmmaker. Was she in this movie? No. No. Not but even, she, like, a bit part? Possibly. But, like, she... This this reminds me of um, Anna Beller, who wrote and directed uh, The Love Witch. Yeah. Where Sarah Jacobson... Did she die? No, but Sarah Jacobson kind of, like, Anna Beller did, like, everything, because she couldn't get funding from, yeah. like, a lot of places, so she was forced to do everything herself. Yeah. Which Have it, you seen it, her other stuff? Who? Uh, the Love Witch Lady? Um, no, but apparently it's also really, like, really kooky and interesting, too. Based on the photos I've seen, it looks like, it looks very similar, at least uh, color-wise and, like, hairstyle and clothing-wise. <laughs> well, you know in The Love Witch, she did all, all the costumes herself. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. But anyway, yeah, Sarah Jacobson, she... Did little everything for Mary Jane's not a virgin anymore, and then kind of didn't get to make another movie. That reminds me of the the woman that writ, wrote and directed Waitress, you know. Yeah. When she murdered. Yeah, she was murdered was like awful. right after her movie, either right after her movie premiered or right before. I can't remember. It's that just, was the redhead in the movie, right? Yeah, and now it's like. Isn't it like a Broadway show or it's something? A musical, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Yeah. This movie also has a death in it, but I didn't feel it had as much impact as it did reading about the director. No. Do you want to synopsize? I mean, can you synopsize this movie? It's kind of like a slice of life the summer in between college and high high school and college. Yeah. Well, he- okay, here's how you slice a life of this. Go back to Sarah and mine's teenage years and live part of it and then have a, a few more other things that are cooler than we probably experienced. <laughs> you guys weren't this labor. cool? I said I knew all of these people <laughs> or their five-year younger sibling that was around in the exact same time. Oh, like, you, like Matt, the annoying one? Yeah. Like, in a broad way, this movie 
no, not no pun intended, feels like a, a critique of like the slacker subgenre. I like yeah. indie stuff where instead of us being like glorifying like slacker life, it kind of shows you like the realistic side of slacker life where you're stuck with a <laughs> job or like you know you, you hook up with you hook up a lot and then uh oh you get pregnant and it's like the shows like the realities of like not maturing. Yeah, totally. And like Tom who was like 22, 23, being a high schooler, shows like he's just dressed as immature as everyone else. And then he's supposed to be, you know, the cool guy. <laughs> yeah, they're cool guys. You know, Sometimes. like, like, it feels like she saw Slacker and Clerks was like, want to make a female better version of it. Yeah. Well, I could, I could definitely see her thinking that about. Slacker. When did Clerks come out? Ninety-four, ninety-five. Oh, okay. One of those years. I'm this, looking. This remind this. It feels like a feminist or a riot mm-hmm. girl like expression in this that they're they're taking it from the perspective of the woman and the bullshit <laughs> of society and and they're kind of like slam poetry directed at someone that that pissed them off you know mm. like yeah <laughs> i'm trying to think of how to put it but but yeah it it definitely took me back to a lot of <laughs> annoying people i used to hang out with and just like you look back at that and you're like why did i put up with that <laughs> And that's totally, that's totally the feeling that this girl is in the middle (laughs) of. And also I felt bad about that because this girl, if she had been in our high school, Mm -hmm. would have been ostracized. Oh. It seems like she was ostracized anyways in a different, you know. But you mean for like having sex? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Mm. For being that, like, open about it and being, like, outspoken about what oh. happened and stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Even in my high school, she would have been, like, you know, ostracized and... I mean, it's, yeah. Typical out. high school. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been slut-shaming big time. Mm-hmm. But also, I think there's something else about her character that made me think that she probably wouldn't have been in my clique, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But she it seemed like it must have taken place in a bigger city okay. for them to have the resources and the things available to them that they did. But mm-hmm. I don't know where it's supposed to take place. They briefly mentioned like twice it's the Midwest, but they yeah. don't go into detail where exactly. Yeah. That's where the director grew up, apparently. She grew up in like Wisconsin or something like that. And then, yeah, but yeah, everything was filmed in Oakland or San Francisco. Yeah, and they do drive the Wisconsin at one point. Some must be oh, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, but they don't get there because they have to stop to do some stuff. Mm-hmm. If you know what <laughs> I mean. I, I like that this movie is this about female sexuality and it's very blunt about it. And watching this second time, I realized I, this is like one of the few movies I've seen that actually is this honest about 
Like, <laughs> like most movies just don't aren't don't aren't willing to talk about it or just don't want to. That's true. It it was kind of ballsy. Yeah, I think that they just. I think that's part of the whole thing is that they wanted to make a statement and the statement was like, this is reality. I mean, at the same time, what did I say? I think I wrote that down. Feels like real life and satire at the same time. Hmm. Like, I felt like it was poking fun at the whole generation, but also mm-hmm. like, like being 100% sincere <laughs> and having characters that you felt for because you could associate with them you know <laughs> yeah apparently jello biafra is in is in a cameo yeah you know who he is right i've heard of him but i don't know who oh, he, what mean, he looks like yeah he's the in the movie he's the guy the christian guy that's like does this film have the me lecture in a at the end <laughs> oh the guy the guy with the weird voice and like the ugly suit yeah. He just okay. keeps on going at the end. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> just at the end when they're like, am I done? Okay. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I gotta go. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of But I'm a Cheerleader. But mm. that movie, I feel like, deals more specifically with like. LGBTQ yeah. plus. Yeah, specifically that. And, like, it definitely challenges the... You know how in this one they had, like, scenes where they were talking about things like they were all perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. And then shattering that illusion. <laughs> I feel like that happens in But I'm a Cheerleader, too. But but I'm a Cheerleader is way cuter, even though it deals with some heavy stuff. Yeah, it, that's definitely more, like, catchy, more John Watersy. Yeah. And this is more like, this is a bad example, but more like Kevin, early Kevin Smith. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the way I was feeling, but it feels more mature than, than Clerks does. Oh, yeah, definitely. I felt like in a way it was funnier because it was more real. Like, I felt like when you were watching it, it was, it was one of those things where someone is talking and being humorous, maybe to a level that you don't that you wouldn't speak to somebody else on. It's mm-hmm. like fast witty repartee. And like in this, you felt like you've heard real life conversations like the, in the nineties, mm-hmm. you did, you heard conversations with exactly this cadence and the same, you know, the same kind of attitude towards things. Like yeah. I felt like Kevin Smith is a little bit more, I think, I think his pieces tried to be a little bit more intellectual or, you know, at least in their speech, they tried to be a little bit more poised. But this one, I definitely, I don't know. I just really liked it. Thanks for telling us about it. Oh, you're welcome. Don't I think, think Emmy ruined this <laughs> podcast. There's like I did with, um, uh, what's that movie called? Uh, the Drew Barrymore one. Oh, Double yeah. Doppelganger. <laughs> Oh, doppelganger, right. Uh, that, that just broke us in a way that, that prepared <laughs> us for what we were going to be, uh, you know, getting to. Again, that was like you, you cracked through our mm-hmm. our exterior exoskeleton that we didn't realize <laughs> oh, we had built God. up. So that was fine. Yeah. I have a tendency to break podcasts. I kind of did that 
did that with the Predicto cast by giving them a movie that's not even a real movie. <laughs> I guess we should try to like gently go over the plot, like what little there is. All okay. Right, all right. All right. So Mary, they no no one ever calls her Mary Jane. They just call her Jane. Oh, they call her Jane. That's right. They call her Jane. I mean, she's a senior in high school. It starts yeah. off right. She she works at a movie theater with a whole bunch of other characters, '90s people like hardcore, who, and they're all they're all in bands. Of course, they're all into bands. Whatever. That guy. Uh, who? Who's the jerk face? Matt. Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like. He's got Mike Myers haircut. Um, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. see it. At the, most of the movie takes place at this theater, which I can't tell if it shows regular movies or adult films. I'm not sure. I but think maybe. it's an art house theater. Okay, so we go in between. And it is a lot of just their conversations with the just different moments in these people's lives, but it does mostly focus around what's going on with Jane and how she is experiencing things and how she's being like told to experience things too. But the movie starts off with her having a terrible loss of first sexual experience. Yeah. With Steve. With Steve. To think Steve. You should have known. That it was a bad idea. And this is the only nudity you get when you see Steve climb off her. Yep. And you get to see Steve's pole, but, uh, yeah. Hey, this is a feminist movie. No, I'm glad. Yeah, I wish Game of Thrones would take example from this and be like, the show, come on, show all around nudity, it's fine. I mean, they show penises in Game of Thrones. Not that much. Well, write no. into George R. R. Martin and tell him you want more dicks. He's too busy. <laughs> He's too busy buying like captain hats. <laughs> He's got a whole room full of captain hats. He can afford it now. Yeah, I guess so. The film takes a special focus on her. Yeah, her relationships with these people, and then eventually her own sexuality. How she learns how to deal with it. At first, it was just something she was. Basically doing so that she would seem cool amongst mm-hmm. these people. And then eventually, yeah, she she starts to work out that, oh, it's actually something that could be done for me instead of. Uh, I guess, I guess the way she's, she definitely has emotions about mm-hmm. what happened, but I feel like she's pretty unfazed. And I think it might just be like her youth, like the character that like, mm-hmm. she's just kind of like. You know, that sucked, but whatever. Yeah. Like, you're that person's stupid. I'm going to go try to hook up with somebody else. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, but still, she, like, she didn't, like, ignore it. Because uh, when we get to the end, we, we learn she didn't, didn't completely forget about it. Right. She took that bad experience and channeled it into something else, which not everyone's able to do. <laughs> but she's I mean she's got a pretty good support system even though there's a bunch of jackasses also <laughs> sometimes even her people who support her are jackasses but the you mean the the, the women and the gay guy yeah exactly yeah the, the guy who manages the theater is great to everybody yeah Dave's pretty cool the the two other girls Grace and Erica mm-hmm they're nice yeah 
Is Grace the one that uh, ends up pregnant? Uh-huh. That's the redhead with pixie cut. Right. Erica is a hot punk chick. I didn't see any hot punk chicks. Uh, anyway. Uh, well, I'm just kidding. You I'm saw her on movie. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, this reminds me of some real life experiences that I had in high school. You know, I wasn't... I wasn't her in this story. I was probably her even more square friend that, you know, maybe was more into fashion or something. But in high school, yeah, I wrote down, (laughs) this reminds me of when I broke up with someone because they were a phony. A phony? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, About what exactly? (laughs) Okay, sorry for anyone who knows what I'm talking about about here. (laughs) Um, No, basically, I'd have to say that it was it was more about being like two faced and like someone else when you're around certain people, and then like another way when you're around other people. Yeah. Okay. And it was phony. Changes in personality to like win friends and influence people. Sounds like a sociopath. (laughs) but anyway um yeah it reminded me of some high school experiences i wrote down um chucks forever I wrote, I'd see, I wish I'd seen this movie in high school. And then I wrote down afterwards, never mind. Like after, <laughs> after some of the stuff happened, mm-hmm. I was like, I would have been mortified to see this in high school <laughs> if I'd been with other people when I saw it. Like, yeah, I would. I mean, if you watched it with other people, maybe if you saw it by yourself, you'd be fine. Yeah, maybe. When you have been in high school when this came out? Yeah, we yeah. would have been, uh, Sophomores, or not sophomores, sorry, uh, juniors. Oh, okay. What year was it? 98. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we graduated in 99. Yeah. No, you're not the the millennium class. No, we're the, whatever the in-betweeners are called, Generation Y or whatever. We're the Prince and the New Power Generation class. (laughs) But we still can't afford houses or avocado toast, so... (laughs) <laughs> or diamonds. Uh, you want to know the one line that I've like had in my head since I watched this movie that I've actually thought of a couple of times while just driving earlier uh, today? Sure. Bite it like beef jerky. Oh my god. <laughs> Who says that? Tom says that. Okay. When she is performing, yeah, on him. And uh, oh. <laughs> her, reaction, her reaction at first is like, what? And, the, and <laughs> you know, kudos to him. He's just kind of like, yeah, I like it. You know, and she doesn't freak out or anything like that. So, it, like, it's actually a very nice scene. But I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> beef, jer- beef jerky is a very specific image. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to, well, okay. It's like the, the hookup scene is... Uh, Probably the most realistic sex scene I've ever seen in a movie. Right. Yeah. Because it actually takes the time to for the people to communicate, and there's actual conversation of like, you know, I don't want to get too NF, NF, whatever. 
Yeah. Let's, let's get around the R. We're, we're in the R rating uh, situation, yeah. so it's okay. I mean, I'm going to bleep the curses like I normally do, but at this point, if you're still listening, you know this is not <laughs> not for everybody. Just yeah. like the movie, so it's yeah. okay. Yeah, like, I, I appreciate the detail of showing, like, of their both communicating to each other of, of what they uh, prefer in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't happen. That's not a... Back then, forget about Hell it. Hell no. Especially if you weren't living in, like, a city. It's not something that, like... Nobody talked about that. Yeah. Uh, depending on your upbringing, depending on who you hang out with, I don't think that people learn that, like, it's okay to, to tell somebody what you like in that particular category, <laughs> that particular <laughs> subject. It's like, oh, no, no, I'll just take whatever I can get. It's fine. <laughs> When I went to high school, like, all my friends, like, whenever they said they would, like, you know, hook up, they would never, they used to say, like, the highlights, and this made it seem like it was just, like, an instantly amazing experience. Yeah. Although, I mean, re- all yeah. in real life, since they're in high school, it probably wasn't. <laughs> no, it totally is. It's, it's great. Every, every time. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> as a dude. That guy, when he's, like... <laughs> <laughs> she started screaming at me and told me to get off of her. Oh, yeah. He's like retelling the right story. Up. Yeah, right right before she was about to get off, she started she freaked out, man. That's <laughs> yeah, so stupid. <laughs> stupid men. <laughs> Do you hate men now, Joel? Oh, I've hated men for years. Yes. Don't don't get me wrong. So I actually worked at a movie theater for more than a year. In high school? Just out of high school, okay. actually. Just afterwards. Was it like an a indie little theater, like the one in the movie, or like a... It was a one-screen theater in a one-freaking-movie-theater town. It was tiny, and we we still got, like, the high, you know, the, the newer stuff, the good movies. Mm-hmm. We didn't do any indie stuff or anything like that. And I'm pretty sure it cost a fortune and is why that theater is no longer open anymore. Hmm. But yeah, I, you know, I, I had my fair share of customers and stuff like that. I had worked with a the theater crew. Did you have like a Jellaby Offer type guy complain about stuff? On more than one occasion. Hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't think you should be having these kind of movies in this area. Actually, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you know the movie... Cell or the Cell with uh, Jennifer Lopez and Vincent mm-hmm. D'Onofrio. I've heard of it. Yeah, that was in the theater for about two days, and then they pulled it because there mm-hmm. were so many complaints about the content. Ooh. Oh, that's like kick-ass when it came out in Dover. You had to drive an hour north or south to see it. Oh man! Although it's, that movie's not really good, so no, it's, it's not. not. <laughs> that reminds me of American Splendor for some reason. What? Like, the- where does he live in American Splendor? New Jersey. Oh. And how <laughs> he's, like, talking about driving somewhere to see a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like Revenge when, when, when of the they went to go see Revenge something. of the Nerds, the great, yeah. <laughs> the great indie movie. <laughs> be driving. I'm going to be driving three hours, so I need to eat all of these hamburgers. <laughs> yeah. Same spirit of, of this kind of movie, like especially uh, Harvey Pekar's comics, just like actual life and how weird it is, but it's also very relatable. Mm. 
Yeah. It's kind of got this, like, indie lo-fi feel where it's like you can see, like, maybe something was scotch taped together or, like, handmade or there's a zine, you know, like, things. Oh, my gosh. Zines. <laughs> when I when I got out of high school, I went and lived in Santa Cruz for a year, and um, I just hung out at the record shop and looked at the zines all the time. And, like, I still love zines and collect them. And recently I got this feminist zine that was at one of Bleach's concerts, and it has Oh, all I like them. You do? Yeah. I, I, I have their... Is it one album, or do they have another one out? Oh, they have a couple. They have Write Your Heart. They came out with one recently, Can You uh, Deal? I have the first one, then. Yeah, I've actually seen them a bunch of times. Oh, yeah, they're I really good. They are. They're awesome. They're so awesome. And I've, like, talked to them and stuff because I've seen them before. And anyway, they put out this zine that's, like, basically the zine is called Can You Deal? And it's all about how they're sick of being called a girl band and that, like, they're sick of having their experience of being, like, a human being compared to a man's experience and, mm -hmm. like... It's kind of a manifesto of, like, of other female musicians. They have, like, interviews from a bunch of famous people in it. But, yeah, that I re was reminded of that by this. And, you know, Kathleen Hanna and Bikini Kill. It, have you seen the punk singer? Uh, I've heard of it. I Wait, love that is movie. is she the one married to a Beastie Boy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my girlfriend likes Bikini Kill, and she's playing with some of her stuff. I like it. But yeah, this reminded me of that, like, Riot Girl movement, and, like, The Punk Singer is seriously one of my favorite movies, and not just because it talks about feminism and, like, that movement of punk music, but, like, also because it talks about the experience of being an artist and being in a band, and, like, it gives a bunch of contextual history of the 90s, too. Kim Gordon was the uh, other person I was trying to think of that she said she was hanging out with. Oh, yeah. Kim Gordon. Wait. wait what band is she in? Um, she was in Sonic Youth. Sonic Youth. That one, now Thurston Moore? In... Yeah. Okay. Thurston Moore apparently used to live in Delaware, like, what vacation in Delaware. That's funny. I have, like, a million things I could say about music related to this movie. Well, let's talk That's about fun. the music in this movie. Come on. Yeah. Wait, wait. First, I wanted to mention that Sarah thought it was really funny when uh, Tom was like, hey, are you coming with me to that party? And Jane was like, it's not one of those gro uh, garbage uh, punk, punk, whatever, punk music parties or something like that. And he's like, no, it's not. And then the next scene, it's totally my party. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. <laughs> anyway. I saw that it says online that Mud Honey and AFI yeah. mm -hmm. did music for this, but on the Wikipedia it also says that there's songs by Loudmouths, Babes in Toyland. Um, um, the the punk chick is from the in the movie. She apparently is a member of the Loudmouths. So is the woman who played Jane. Really? I wondered. Yeah. I, Oh. I wondered if one of them was in the band The Slits, too. I don't know. Um, but I, I, don't I didn't look that. it up yet. 
And this is like Babes in Toyland. I know they were like part of the Riot Girl movement as well. Mm. I never saw Mud Honey, but like I saw the Melvins and I saw the Lemonheads and like some of those other bands that were kind of coming out of the grunge movement around the same time. And this felt really all the music and all the characters felt really era specific to <laughs> to that and it and it all seemed very familiar and and like just the just the hanging out was so authentic and the music in the background well i mean it reminded me of a lot of songs too that i heard in the 90s like institutionalized totally reminded me of that and like not a surf's popular and like detachable penis and oh, I've heard that song. Yeah, and like those. <laughs> I don't know who sings it, but I've I've always heard that one for a while. Yeah, there was a there was a kind of a phase in the '90s that Joel has told me before that he doesn't like, where there were songs where people were talking over them, mm-hmm. and. And there was this one song that was like, I'm really attracted to you. And I'm trying to remember. It's by a girl singer. And I think it's like, like, would you or something hmm. is the name of it. I wrote it down. Detachable Penis is by King Missile. Uh-huh. Would you by Touch and hmm. Go. Oh, Joel, that trend kind of started into the sexiest girl groups. Because there's like the, my boyfriend's back and there's like a little monologue in the middle. And there's another one where it's like the the boyfriend is like a biker and he dies in a car crash in a biker in a bike crash and you hear like the bike sound effects and people screaming in the middle of the song. <laughs> I don't know why Sarah said that. I, I don't remember <laughs> specifically saying I don't like those things. But oh. I don't, she's right. <laughs> said it about a La Tigre song, which is like Okay, Bikini Kill is Kathleen Hanna, and Kathleen Hanna, after they quit Bikini Kill, she started La Tigre. And La Tigre... Which La Tigre song? It's the one, um... It's the one that's about the hippies going into the mountains. Hippies going into the mountains. Of course! Jeez. I'm just... I'm trying to think of something that I, I dislike specifically. I'm, I'm a lot of film references in this movie. Mm-hmm. I laughed at the part where Erica was talking about feeling the baby kick and like mm-hmm. thinking it was really weird. And the, the guy oh, she's the with being, head. yeah, being like, <laughs> "I want to record it." <laughs> like, she's like, "Should I be quiet?" Like, you can say whatever you want. I'm just going to put over the music from Eraserhead. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my god, that's so 90. <laughs> yeah. Nerds. The thing about the slacker, like, time frame mm-hmm. is that everyone thought they were saying something profound. I mean, I think that's part of being a teenager, too, yeah. in general. Yes, it is. But, like, I think I wrote down that, like, everyone's mansplaining things to girls in this. And that, like, they're they're making fun of that in the movie. Yeah. You can tell that the guys are pretending to know what they're talking about, and they're the girls are just like, okay. They're the only ones that seem <laughs> to ha- have common sense. Yeah, comparatively, yeah. like and and Dave too. 
Yeah. It seems it would be anti uh, straight white men <laughs> to an extent. Yeah. Oh, man, this is a total Antifa movie. No, that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> you get all some Pepe on us. <laughs> I try. Uh, there was another part where they she talked about some movie that I'd never heard about, which I can't remember uh, Jane who Jane was talking to. She was like, you know, there's that part where that those two actors are like having sex in a boiler room, and it's supposed to be like this, like great pleasure and stuff like that. It's like, oh yeah, I wrote that down. Yeah, say? <laughs> and Aiden Quinn turns out to be like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> somebody in Aiden yeah. Quinn. It's like Daryl Hannah or Kim Basinger or I can't somebody. Remember, yeah, and in the movie. end, they're just having sex in a boiler room. <laughs> Gross. This song is called Fanta. P H A N T A. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out Aiden Quinn's. <laughs> you guys want to talk? An about, oh, you guys oh, want to ahead. talk about the Ryan character? And there's Which really. One's Ryan? He's yeah, the, the one with the glasses that oh, yeah. she had a crush on that everyone liked. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to say about him? I, he he I specifically know. reminded me of this comic creator who did this indie comic called Minimum Wage. That yeah, I think it only ran for nine issues originally, and then like a decade later image picked it up and and like re-released the originals in like a hardbound hmm. and then he had a like a 12 issue run on there and then he just I don't know if the numbers weren't there or if he just didn't feel like writing but like his character looked a lot like this guy hmm. uh, he it, with the glasses and the the blonde hair and stuff like and that and that soul patch or whatever exactly yeah soul patch and everything and they were both, they're like nice people. Like, it's a nice guy. Hey. <laughs> yeah, but he actually is a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he loves smileys, smiley faces. I wrote down, this reminds me of um, a Smashing Pumpkins video. <laughs> it was from, what a, what a, Cherub Rock, maybe. It reminded uh-huh. me of. But, uh, yeah, there was a lot of. Like, style choices. At one moment, she's wearing, like, a blue workman's jacket with, like, an STP patch or something on it that's, like, red and white Mm -hmm. embroidered. And, like, everybody was wearing those. Mm -hmm. Like, there were a lot of fads that it kind of touched on by, like, people wearing something. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what other... Well, the the boots, like, that she's wearing. Yep. And the converse... And yeah. olive juice, olive juice. Everyone was saying, everyone, everyone was, saying was saying olive juice. Yeah, I said this reminds me of when people started complaining about coming from a broken home. That's what I mean. That was all. What's his name? Uh, I keep wanting to call him Mike because, like I said, I thought he looked kind of like Mike Myers. Oh, Matt, Matt. Yeah, yeah. He was like. I hate her because she comes from privilege. Like, oh, yeah, you've had it so hard, man. I can tell. Like, jackass. Yeah. Like, like Jane kind of raised herself because her parents are non-existent. Yeah, seem like it. Like, you hear them argue, I think, once, and that's about it. This should be a PSA for parents who don't pay any attention to their <laughs> children. <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> your children could secretly be working at a movie theater with a bunch of miscreants. Wait, that's not the PSA. Yeah. yeah uh, felt- so, Joel, was your theater work experience like like this? You 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 guys would like be drinking in the basement and have like a stash of liquor. Oh yeah, dude. We were all just like doing that and and like sitting on the counter. And hell no, it wasn't like that. <laughs> no, it was pretty strapped down. Like we were here to work. You know, the theater was only open for like the five hours that it would take to get the theater ready, play the movie, and then clean up afterwards. Hmm. So it wasn't like hanging out or anything like that. And I, I didn't really make any good friends there because uh, the kind of people, you know, I, I have friends that from the town that we grew up in that are, I'm still like in contact with and stuff like that. But it turned out, my I hadn't figured out like my personality back then, so mm-hmm. I wasn't I didn't really get along with people that I hadn't that I just met out of nowhere. It didn't didn't end mm-hmm. up working out that way. It took the internet for me to meet people, like minded people that could take my sarcastic attitude and my general knowledge of movies. <laughs> but I mean, the the customer service experiences that they had, you know, the, the parts of this movie that are mm-hmm. kind of uh, joked up on purpose with people complaining about the wrong kind of soda, asking for refunds, people at the box office being like, $6, they're not paying that for this movie, you know, definitely ran into that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. When I got the $6 part, I was like, I'd pay that much, that's like half what I pay here. Well, it was six dollars each, you know, back in the nineties. That's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, true. At night, though. Yeah. It's like fourteen dollars now. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's under ten for us still, but oh, not, you're not lucky. By much. Yeah, we are lucky. I keep expecting it to skyrocket because if we go to L.A., it's like yeah, it's like thirteen bucks. Maybe I'm thinking of the ones we've seen in. Some crazy special thing. Oh yeah! Thing. If you see it in, if you see, say, for instance, Transformers Five: The Last Night in IMAX uh, 3D, and it's like eighteen dollars a ticket. Hmm. And there's not much like story stuff for to really talk about with this movie. No, it's not really. Did you did you like it, Joel? I did like it, but I did, I wasn't like overwhelmed or anything like that. Like uh, on the letterbox scale, I gave it hmm. six out of ten. So that that to me that means like it was worth watching and I would even probably watch it again but I'm not like over the moon I have to watch it again type of thing like it has I feel like it has more value as a, a 90s late 90s artifact be this like actual feminist movie like for reals and uh, see as this like thing to remember this uh, director, this writer director that was a, a talent that burned out, you know, way too fast, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, this uh, she also reminds me of Bill Gunn, who directed Gondra and Hess, who that was the one movie he ever made because he because of race he was black and because of racism in the system he kind of wasn't given another chance to make another movie again. Is there anything else you guys wanted to say about this? Like, I I do feel like we skated over the whole, a lot of the sex thing. I mean, we kind of of casually touched on it, but uh, not sure. Sex is a huge part of this movie. Yeah. 
And I, I guess I would say that I think it's kind of a, like a sexual education for women at the time. Like people weren't talking about this kind of stuff. I feel like maybe this film, this filmmaker wanted to just put it out there honestly. And it is, it's realistic. Like, like you were saying, Spencer, it's like, it has a really, feels really real. Has a really good message. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I thought I had more to say about it, but I don't know. It, it's worth it's worth seeing. No, I I agree. I, I think that uh, I feel like people in in my and Sarah's age demographic should see it, and then I feel like anyone younger should see it. And I think that uh, people older than us uh, can go to hell. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. The only other things I had written down, although, I mean, there's probably plenty of stuff to talk about in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it like, deals... Yeah, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I... Like, since I'm not... Uh, like, I feel unqualified to talk about it, because I'm not uh, a woman. Kind of. Wait, 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 what? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's so female-driven, like, Parmy feels like mansplaining by talking about how much I like it or like aspects I like about it kind of yeah. do I mean yeah I do know what you mean it feels like I'm mansplaining a bit by talking about the movie kind of because I'm not a woman <laughs> well these these women in the movie were more extroverted than I was growing up although I think we would have thought a lot of the same things were cool or, you know, we're talking about some of the same things. I think that they are much more vocal about what they, what they think and what their sexual experiences are and who they like and, you know, whatever. I, I feel like they probably would have scared me away. <laughs> like there's that part when the, when the punk lady with the dreads, mm -hmm. she starts talking about what you need to do for yourself as a lady. That's the part I was skating over that I think is a good message. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, yeah, like that's sexual education for women that probably doesn't exist in sexual education. But I <sighs> I probably would have run out of the room embarrassed if, a, if an older woman had ever said that to me when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Just because I would have been like, uh, is this really okay that I'm like hearing this from somebody right now <laughs> but it's like, okay to be hearing it yeah no totally it, but i just think at the time it was kind of i mean i guess that's all part of the riot girl feminist thing is that like they were pushing the envelope at the time but now maybe it's gone back to being just as <laughs> as uh don't talk about it as it used to be i don't know Oh, that kind of brings that brings up a weird thing in my brain that didn't occur to me at the time, but just did now. That there's a part where uh, Jane is pleasuring herself. That's what she's mm -hmm. doing, and she's like on the roof at of work. the theater, right? Yeah, yeah, she's just like doing this at a place where somebody could pop in and stuff like that. And she she somebody does pop in, but they don't like know what she was doing. She like doesn't get caught. So well, to speak. Well, it's easier for thinking, her because she's a girl. Right. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, like, in the same situation, if a guy was doing that, 
that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, but, but I, I also think that, yeah, she shouldn't have been doing that at a, at a place, a public place like that. Oh, but. and, and she says, no one comes up here to the person who comes up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, that would have been. That's the rule. That would have been like, I want to die humiliation if that had <laughs> happened to anybody I knew as a teenager. <laughs> like, like I want to die. Like, yeah. how am I ever going to go to school again type thing? And, yeah, I think I think they're trying to glorify, like, or, you know, more than just shine a spotlight on the idea of how to pleasure yourself if you're right. a woman. It's more like this is going to be amazing. And she's like in heaven, you know? It's also like, yeah, it's okay. (laughs) That part kind of reminded me of the slums of Beverly Hills when that Mm. character discovers the vibrator. Mm. But I think it's good that it talks about it. I just, yeah, that part would have been like, I mean, now if somebody was out in public doing something (laughs) like that, they could be, labeled a sex offender for the rest of their lives. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm trying to think, <laughs> what? I mean, she'd been caught there. She could, she could have been labeled a sex offender, too. But I don't, yeah. I don't think they would have. They just would have probably made fun of her or something. There's, like, or such even. a stigma about it. Like, right. Like, I mean, I feel like in high school that if somebody knew that you did something like that. Oh, no. You would have been like I remember tormented. When I was a freshman, I remember people like I I didn't really understand what they were talking about like uh, that kind of stuff. And I remember like this person who was a senior being like, "Oh man, there's a that guy's a pillow biter. He's a total pillow biter." Like, well, what does that uh, you know, like, oh, that's a funny thing. I don't know what that means." And what mm-hmm. he meant was that somebody would like have their face shoved in a pillow while they were pleasuring themselves, I guess. And it's like the stigma was so bad that you have to make fun of somebody for doing that. It's like, dude. I feel like people would have said, like, th- that's a masturbator. Or yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. that is something that was said. I, in and the I 90s. feel like it's probably still something. That's <laughs> yeah. Said. But when I went to high school, the closest thing that happened at the one at my school was a guy sent uh, a picture of himself to his girlfriend. And uh, said he had to magnify it to the highest it amount because he couldn't get a good picture of it. And so there was a rumor that he uh, was small. Oh, my gosh. Everybody had that rumor. Come on. Yeah, like the picture spread around school. and I was hoping you were going to say, when I was in high school, people were masturbating left and right. <laughs> oh, man, I said the word. <laughs> <laughs> I said it, too. Oh, okay. You know, it's, the cat's out of the bag. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the moment where Dave says he knew Grace was pregnant was pre- was pregnant the whole time. Yeah. Because uh, he has sisters, instantly made me think of uh, Drag Race, the All Star oh. season, because um, uh, we'll start with like the our first thought was is, is it a, is it a stereotype that gay guys always have sisters and. It kind of is, I guess, because on Drag Race, they did a challenge where they had their sisters come on and they would do the drag makeup on their sisters and moms. <laughs> I I think it's a, definitely a stereotype that they have a lot of female friends. Yeah. 
it just if felt, they don't if they don't have a sister, but yeah. Yeah, it does seem like stereotypical to say like the gay guy of course has three sisters. Right. Or whatever. But at least it confirmed that they all have mothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily sisters. Hmm. True. Yeah, let's wrap this up, guys. I'm feeling uh I'm feeling a little weird. <laughs> you are? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're out at the beach talking about this. People are calling the police. Got to be arrested. Yeah, this movie is a little in your face for a teenager, I think. I, like I said, I would have been too humiliated to watch this through with my friends. Like, probably even my girlfriends I would have been embarrassed to watch this with. But the only other notes I really had was a few other movies. It reminded me of a little bit of Doom Generation. Little bit of Repo Man, Slacker. Mm. Yeah, Repo Man, I definitely got that. It's not as gross as Doom Generation. Yeah, definitely. No, Doom Generation goes really dark. But just the attitude of the characters and their their world, aside from the other elements in that movie, was what I think what reminded me of it. And then like other music, the raincoats. The Slits, Bikini Kill, The Breeders. Just, like, really... There was a, a lot of good 90s memories for me <laughs> in this. The movie's on YouTube, if you want to watch it. Yes, it is on YouTube in full. I I Probably. don't think it's on DVD, or if it is, it's hard to find. Well, we watched it on Fandor, which is available on Amazon also. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, track down this movie. It's worth seeing. So next week we're going back to normal, although I haven't figured out what movie it is. We're going back to science fiction and fantasy. So if anyone was upset about our four-movie break, first of all, no, you're entitled to your feelings. It's fine. (laughs) But, yeah, we don't want to be out there too late. Summer's getting hot. It's just going to get red-skinned and crackly and will look like some sort of lava beast. Pretty yeah. soon. Yeah, I gotta I gotta fly back to the East Coast. Yep. Yeah, I thanks hope for you joining had fun us. at the beach with us. Yeah. Uh, I did. It's not humid. It felt great. Yeah, it was a nice day today. Although it's been overcast recently. Now I have <laughs> to uh go back to the East Coast where it's hot and humid. Yay. Wait. Spencer, tell us about your other stuff. Oh. I have a podcast called High and Low, a Cursaw podcast with um Someone here, forgot who it is, doesn't matter. Gina. Yeah. <laughs> and um, me and Joel, we go through a, a Pick a Carsaw movie and pick another Japanese movie from that very same year and uh, comparing the movies and talk about them and just look for and this excuse to watch Japanese movies pretty much. That's the real reason for the podcast. Yeah, pretty much. And um, I was a guest on School of Schlock, talking about Return of the Kung Fu Dragon, which has fancy elements. You guys could cover it. And it actually is relatively interesting in certain ways. And um, I was on... I will be on the grind then in a few weeks talking about Ralph Bakshi's Coonskin, which is a really interesting movie. That um, this is kind of spoiling the recommendations for an episode, but one of the hosts said, "If you love movies, you should give this movie a chance." 
and just experience it. And uh, yeah, it's a weird Backstreet movie, probably his weirdest one. Cool. My two least favorite things, <laughs> racism and Ralph Backstreet movies. The point is that it's socially <laughs> shocking and use racist stereotypes. Of course. It makes it, everyone is a stereotype in it. No one in, it. No one is good. I'll just read some, what's that other underground comic book guy? R. Crumb? Yeah, so I'll just read some R. Crumb. Delaware's R. Crumb? He went to high yeah. school in Delaware. And his sister still lives in Del- still lives in the same town. Oh, you know her? No, she's very private. And uh, when R. Crumb visits her, he hates when fans approach him. Uh-huh. I, he doesn't seem like uh, the kind of guy I would be like, hey, I love your stuff. Yeah, I feel like he doesn't want to meet his fans. Yeah. All right. Enough of your jibber-jabber. Hey. We're talking about art stuff, this, bro. I'm going to read this outro stuff. And you guys think of a lesson that you learned from Mary Jane's Not a Virgin Anymore, 1997. Didn't Art illustrate, like, a Bible book? Yes, he did the book of Genesis. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I he, really want and that. He, and he did, like, a, a, like a history of jazz Thank oh, you. Cool. Yep. This has been the R. Crumb cast. We'll talk to you next week about more R. <laughs> Crumb stuff. Like, I don't know. Uh, if you got a suggestion or a comment, please write into please don't podcast at gmail.com or message us on Facebook, facebook.com slash PDSMIOS. If you are subscribed to us on iTunes, we'd appreciate it if you left us a star rating or a written review. It increases our visibility, which gets us more listeners. Yes, you could be part of that zombie horde. Bite as many other listeners as you can. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your sister. Uh, tell your priest. Hey. <laughs> we actually do have one new review. That reminds me. From the guys from the Divisive Issues podcast, which is an excellent po- uh, comic podcast where they talk about different storylines that are interesting or terrible or really good. You can get them on any of the podcatchers, Divisive Issues. Their podcast review says, This show is a great movie podcast, and I love the artwork so much. Great rapport between the hosts. Is that how you spell rapport? Whatever. I can't Google it because the review window is taking up my whole browser. Excellent review. Thank you. Five stars. Those guys are great. Thank you. Uh, Check out our podcast network. It's Ear Trumpet Audio at eartrumpetaudio.com. And if you have a few bucks, we do have a Patreon at patreon.com slash eartrumpet. All right. Enough of that. I've held you guys back for too long. I want to hear what you learned from this movie. Mary Jane's not a virgin anymore. Uh, I guess I'll go. Okay. Uh, (laughs) After you're uh, done having sex with someone, don't take a picture after. It's kind of (laughs) weird. I was thinking, uh, that's a weird picture to take. Like, (laughs) I mean, when you look at it, you won't be able to help but remember the situation and that you know i don't know it might be all right but it might not be all right <laughs> i don't know ask permission first don't just do it yeah right exactly she turned out fine she's like writing articles and stuff yeah 
Although it did make it awkward when she found out Tom died. I was hoping when that whole scene happened that it was going to be Matt and not Tom, because I hate that guy. Well, of course it has to be the nice guy. Yeah, that's true. The the mostly nice guy. Still a weirdo. Yeah. He's a, well, he's no Ryan, but yeah, he's better than Matt. Yeah. Okay, want me to give the lessons? <laughs> yes, I demand a lesson. The lessons. Okay, from a woman to other women or teenagers. Uh, number one, I guess, uh, don't be ashamed of your sexuality. It's nothing you can help, so don't feel bad about that. Number two, don't listen to every guy's line because they will say stuff to you. That they don't mean. And, uh, what else? Number three, don't drink too much. It makes you do stupid things that you regret. (laughs) What else? Olive juice doesn't mean I love you. Well, there goes my lesson. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I gotta think of something else. (laughs) Olive juice is... (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, they also do that in the movie The Other Sister, which is not a good movie. Oh, also, maybe don't tell everyone you know about something bad that happened to you. That's, I mean, you might tell a couple people you trust, but even they might repeat it to other people. Yeah. Well, she's just lucky she wasn't in high school with these people, because that would have gotten all around. Yeah. Seemed like it was a separate universe. My lesson is that if you're doing a video project for one of your classes, you need to edit. You need to edit. You need to edit. Okay? Otherwise, you're going to be embarrassed just like she was. Cut out all the parts that are bad and make yourself look like the next Quentin Tarantino. No, it's not not really a good lesson. I can't really get anything. (laughs) Just watch the movie, okay? (laughs) Anyways, we'll see you next week, folks. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Spencer. Thank you. You're welcome. Fuck life, Afiazain, Pample Party. <laughs> okay. Not gonna die forever. EarTrumpetAudio.com Ideas and entertainment. Loud and clear.